ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our special guest is Liam Sarsfeld, the founder of Extra Social and a creative director. Today we're going to talk about social media for brands. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting software for freelancers and small business owners. Are you racing against the clock, wrapping up three projects at once while facing a mountain of paperwork? There is a better way. FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. It's the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and, most importantly, get paid faster. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash uibreakfast and enter uibreakfast in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, Liam. Hey, Jane. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been about a a year and a half, two years. I don't know. Something along those lines. Yeah. So today we have a whole different reason to meet. You have focused entirely on social media. And I feel you have so much to say about that. And social media for brands is just so different from personal social media. Absolutely. All right. We're going to start with a quick questionnaire so that people can learn about yourself. Uh, and question number one is what do you do for a living uh i'm a basically a freelance creative director um and kind of entrepreneur more generally um so yeah i sell a little bit of my time to to companies usually SaaS and e-commerce companies and um but i also have like i have a few shopify themes and i have a um little kind of SaaS paid newsletter business called literistic um, and I kind of, yeah, I kind of just, um, uh, kind of just work on all of those different little projects uh, for a little, for quite a while. I've just, I've split my time amongst all these different things. And now we're kind of, I'm kind of focusing on, on extra, which is yeah, more, a more ambitious, um, SaaS app. How did you get there? What's your background story? Uh, background story. Oh man. I, uh, <laughs> I used to work at uh, a company called Meta Lab, um, kind of best known as the designers of Slack. Um, I was a creative director there on the theme side or the digital goods side of the company. Had my own little team. Um, that team became Pixel Union, um, yeah, which is a fairly large theme company now. Um, I worked there for five years before moving on to do my own thing about two years ago. Um, and since then, I've just been... Uh, just been doing what I, yeah, what I described earlier. Awesome. Uh, these days, uh, having so many projects on the plate, what does your typical day look like? Well, this kind of isn't really a typical day, to be honest. Um, yeah, I. That's part of the draw to it right now. Is that yeah, there isn't really any one thing that I focus on. Um, I'd say for the last six months it has been basically extra 80% of the time or 90% of my time. Um, so yeah, I, I'm doing a lot of the marketing and promotion for the product, whereas my business partner is doing the development right now. So, um, right now I'm just writing a lot, writing a lot of copy and writing a lot of content and, um, we don't have a ton up, but, 
um, what we've put up has done fairly well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun trying to figure out how to, how to enjoy writing marketing content um, and how to make it reflective of my values and Matthew's values. Like it's pretty easy to, um, you know, kind of get a feel for what gets the clicks and what doesn't. But what seems to be more difficult is figuring out a way that, you know, figuring out a way to write something that gets the clicks and you feel good about. (laughs) Um, So that's what I've basically been spending most of my time doing. Can you give us a bit more background what Extra is about as a product? Yeah, so Extra is really about getting more value out of content that you've put a lot of time and energy in. So, you know, when I when I describe not having a ton of content, it's it's mostly because we don't have a lot of people working on Extra. It's just me and my business partner, Matthew. Um, so what content we do put out there, we really have to get maximum value out of. Um, what Extra does is it reposts content kind of strategically and intelligently um, at times when it knows that your audience is going to be most receptive to that content. So we kind of analyze your engagement in the past on your social media accounts. Um, and then we'll repost, you know, articles, um, links, pieces of media um, that you've posted um, at times that make sure that, that those people see um, those pieces of content. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just a way of getting maximum value out of content um, and a way of strategically reposting. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's politically correct, but it's a lot like Meet Edgar, Edgar, but, <laughs> but way smarter so that people just know what kind of tool it is, right? <laughs> Exactly. So it's like it's like a combination of Meet Edgar, which is like a social reposting app, and and then something like Buffer that you can use kind of for everyday use because we do allow, um, or at least we have it in our roadmap to allow people to do you know single one off posts. So um, yeah, it's kind of all in one kind of social media management tool. What do you enjoy the most and the least about your work? <laughs> Do you mean as design or do you mean in promoting in promoting promoting extra? I guess both actually. <laughs> I think there's a lot of um I mean I think I think anytime you're posing as an expert without total confidence in your ability to be that expert, there's there's a little bit of um discomfort and you know I I like to like to kind of advise people not to take on that expert role too soon and to kind of pick and choose where they position themselves as experts. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've, I've found um, writing about social media to be a bit of a challenge because I'm not that kind of domain expert. I'm very much trying to figure this out as I go. Um, and I actually think that that's been, you know, kind of the draw to some of our early customers is that like they're very much seeing us grapple with a lot of the problems that they're grappling with as they set up their um, branded social media accounts. So um, I'm trying to be as transparent as public about that. Um, but I notice that whenever I try to be too um, too much of an expert, uh, that I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. And that's, that's not something I enjoy. <laughs> All right. So teaching things as you learn them is both the the best and the worst part <laughs> because you're both <laughs> discovering stuff and uncomfortable about it exactly like there's there's a good chance that you know you, you could discover something a month or two that throws everything into into doubt and sure enough with you know social media and social media marketing is is you know kind of voodoo a little bit um and yeah figuring out what works and what doesn't work and figuring out what works in the long term um specifically 
um, is pretty difficult. Did you just say voodoo, like voodoo magic? Yeah, I like magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is your next big thing? Uh, extra is my next big thing. Um, yeah, like this is the first time in a long time that I've kind of, you know, doubled down on an idea. Um, and that feels really good, but it also feels, you know, terrifying. Um, I think that, you know, when you, when you spend eight months working on something and it doesn't, uh, it's not making money immediately. And, um, the growth, the growth that you do see is kind of soft growth. You know, it's, it's, you know, email signups or something like that and, and not dollar bills that that, um, that that's a little bit scary. <laughs> what are your plans to launch? Yeah. So, <clears throat> We are working on our alpha, like we're probably, you know, just a few weeks away from having a core alpha product. And it's really important to us that instead of, you know, going pedal to the metal and letting a bunch of people in and having them all inevitably churn or something like that, that we sort of slowly let people in, kind of hold their hand as they use the product and kind of um, get a real understanding of what pain they're trying to solve and um, the way that they're using the app. So we're kind of, we're going to be a little bit slower with this because we definitely want to get it right. Um, so our plan is to let in maybe half a dozen people, uh, manually onboard them, set up their accounts for them, um, and then to really watch and, you know, have a conversation with them about how it's working. All right. Sounds great. So tools aside, and you're building a tool, but tools aside, let's go to the strategy. Uh, and, I prepared a Kickstarter question, which is, do you think there is a common understanding of what uh, an enterprise social media feed should look like? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Um, I think a lot of people, when they go to set up their branded account, they either look at it as a um, news feed and they're thinking, oh, if I just get, if I just start pumping out articles um, and posting that people are going to follow it, which, you know, I, is very difficult to do properly. Um, I'm still not even sure how you, how one does that properly. Um, or they go the other route, which is they run it as a personal account, um, which, yeah, is, is, you know, kind of a better idea. Um, but there's all sorts of problems with that too, which is that when people are trying to um, run it like a personal account. There's a tendency to um, adopt a tone of voice, which is neither their tone of voice nor the tone of voice that their audience wants to hear, and is instead this sort of third-party social media voice. Um, lots of exclamation points, lots of um, feigned enthusiasm, <laughs> mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and that's also not effective. So, yeah, I don't think that there is a sort of step-by-step um, -step guide for creating a, you know, good, authentic social media voice for one's brand out there. At least I haven't been able to find it yet. And so I am interested in trying to um, come up with that and try to, you know, help people along the way to discovering what that voice is for themselves. So let's imagine that uh, we are talking about a small SaaS application they don't have a huge team, like uh, a lot of our listeners have their, you know, software and they just want to know how to take care of their social media account. Um, and you definitely don't have 10 articles per day to post. Right. <laughs> um, so how do you go about it? What else can you talk about? What else can you post on your social media account? So I think as I think as like uh, you know founders or as entrepreneurs, there's a lot of other entrepreneurs in your network who are likely people that you're going to be selling to. 
So the first step would be to sort of document the process of building what it is that you're doing and be kind of as transparent as possible. Um, when we talk about not having four pieces of content a day to post, you know, that's that's just true for everybody. And I, and I doubt even large organizations have the bandwidth a lot of the time to produce this level of content. Um, but really what you can do is um, stay in touch um, and to stay in touch regularly. The ideal is that you're posting on social media three or four times a day. Um, Ooh, that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> so this, this, this kind of brings me to the piece of advice that, that I would give um, a SaaS founder who's just starting out and has just set up his social media accounts figure out a way to enjoy it. Um, figure out a way to enjoy running those accounts. If you can't figure out a sustainable way um, of running those accounts, um, you're unlikely to have those accounts kind of meet your business goals. Um, yeah, so you need to be experimenting the entire time. You need to be creative. You need to be willing to sort of, you know, open yourself up to criticism. Um, you need to be a little bit vulnerable. Um yeah, you just really need to put yourself out there while you discover a way to enjoy it. Um, because, yeah, posting four times a day is grueling. Um, the demands of um, social media in terms of content are just becoming um, worse. Um, yeah, something like, I don't know, I think on, on Facebook, organic reach, which is, you know, how many people are going to see your post if you don't boost it, is something down to like 6% of your um, of your audience. And sure enough, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram and um, are now scaling back organic reach as well as they move to sort of more pay-to-publish models. So, yeah, you really have to figure out a way where you can publish a lot of stuff all the time. Um, so, yeah, that that's really is more about you than it is about anything else at this point. Um, what do you need to be able to do this four times a day? Mm-hmm. So let's say, uh, what kind of things can we post? We can post, uh, you know personal, semi-personal, uh, transparent uh, updates about how you're doing <laughs> and what you're doing. You can mm-hmm. uh, share your own content, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, ha- I have trouble thinking of more. Should you repost other people's content here and share it? Should you do anything absolutely. else? <laughs> like, abs- absolutely should be reposting other people's things. So you can kind of look at it as, you can kind of look at reposting as a way of sort of like building your network and sort of like forming a bond. But um, and so in order to do that effectively, the way to do it is to, yes, repost other people's stuff, but make sure that you're having a conversation with it. You're not just sort of passively um, retweeting or you know, reblogging whatever somebody else is posting. You want to make sure that you're critically engaging with it. Um, you also want to make sure that, you know, like you're every time somebody shares something of yours, that you're, you know, sending them a, a, a tweet that says, like, thanks so much for sharing it and sort of showing your appreciation and kind of using every opportunity that you can to form relationships. Um, yeah. What is your take on uh, on the sense of humor? For me, Jokes and humor are such a pain point because maybe because I'm not a native speaker and you know telling jokes sure. is the highest level of <laughs> of mastery there. Uh, but for brand voice, um, or is it just about being consistent? I mean, I think sense of humor is necessary. Um, in all things, it, it, you know, it, in some certain situations, it's obviously inappropriate um, and. And it should be avoided. But I, I find that, you know, if you are, 
at least for me personally, I know that in order to have a sustainable process around this, I do have to be making jokes. I have to be, um, you know, being, being visibly playful. Um, and, and that I get a lot of enjoyment from that. Um, I, I, I think a lot of other people get enjoyment from it too. Um, there's a sense in which whenever you're making a joke that you're, um, that you're revealing an aspect of yourself, you're revealing your sense of humor and your sense of humor is actually quite a, you know, an intimate thing. Um, mm-hmm. when you show people what makes you laugh, that's kind of, uh, it's quite revealing. Um, and so, you know, it can be very difficult to do that. And when you feel all this pressure to represent your brand in a certain way and, you know, make sure it represents, say, your, your board or your partner or whatever, there's a tendency to make yourself very, very serious. Um, but I think it's important to give yourself that leash. What do you think uh, of uh, being political? Um, I mean, I think the best way to be political is to, you know, not be direct about it. Um, obviously, I'm not talking about how to be political personally. Um, but, you know, with, with your brand, I think the best way to be political is to show rather than tell. Um, so say, for example, like, you know, the, the Trump travel ban, um, a lot of, a lot of, um, software companies said, okay, we're, we're going to match donations to the ACLU. You know, they didn't go on and on about how Trump is, you know, the worst possible president or that, you know, they, or that he's a tyrant or, or whatever. They, they, they literally just put their money where their mouth was and they stayed out of any sort of discussion or debate. And I think that that's, that's the way to approach it. The way to approach it is to, you know, show your support um, show your support maybe in a material sense um, rather than you know making explicit political statements you want to avoid those as much as possible um, you also want to avoid you know trying to engage in the spirit of politics so I'm um, but without actually taking taking a side so I'm thinking here of you know the Pepsi campaign um, that uh, showed a bunch of you know millennials in the streets and stuff like that. It was a sort of Occupy Wall Street um, sort of uh, uh, Trump protest kind of thing. But it was very clear that they had um, sort of whitewashed or um, removed any sort of inflammatory, inflammatory or um, provocative element from it. You want to avoid that as much as possible. Don't don't just try to pose um, either. Either either show um, um, or or don't do anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great rule of thumb. So either stay silent and politically correct, or you just briefly show how you acted on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get nervous about the idea of, of being um, politically correct. I, I don't think that you know being polite or um, being. Um, I mean, we're just talking about the default mode, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to call that to call the default mode of most people where we, we don't discuss politics or stuff like that politically correct, I don't think is, is totally the heart of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about, you know, technical details. Uh, what would be okay? Question number one is the hardest. What do you put on your uh, Twitter <laughs> profile avatar? <laughs> Yeah, so Twitter, Twitter You're a designer, you know the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think the Twitter avatar bit is kind of contested. I think a lot of people just put their, you know, their logo. And I think that's kind of a mistake. I think at the beginning, you really want to make sure that um, people really do feel the heart behind your product. Um, so when you have a sort of like, you know, and, and my tendency is to skew toward very clean aesthetic. When you set the the avatar to a very clean thing, there's a sense in which you've removed any human from it. Um, and at those early stages, you really want to make sure that there are that, that those humans are front and center. So, you know, we'll, what we've done and what we've seen some other people done like AirStory and um, a few other SaaS companies is, you know, have the have the images of the founders or perhaps the image of the spokesperson kind of up front and center. Um, make sure you're smiling, um, not looking moody. Um, yeah, just make sure it's a kind of like warm, open human experience. You know, in design, we talk a, little, a lot about how, you know, just having faces in an interface, whether those are illustrative or, you know, photographic, um, really brings a lot to, to the design to humanize it. Um, it's the same when you're branding something. Um, you want to make sure that there's, there's as much, you know, happy, smiling human faces um, as possible. <laughs> Question number two, then, is what do you put on that, you know, vague background banner that's <laughs> common to all social networks, be it, I know, Facebook, Twitter, etc.? I think the best way to, to, to approach that is, is just to use something that pulls people into the brand um, further. Um, so, you know, that could be a little piece of UI that's really, you know, um, kind of dazzling. Um, it, it, I, I think that that... Um, that, that image is less important than say the the uh, profile image but i would say that one of the two has to have some sort of human element to it um and if it doesn't you're running a risk mm -hmm. so that uh people don't think it's a bot or uh, committee or something because <laughs> that's the big challenge right a lot of a lot of brands will be like okay let's do this and they just set up buffer with um, you know, three, four weeks of, of reblogged content. And, you know, what's, what's the difference between that and a bot? I don't know. Right. Uh, since we've gone this technical path, um, the description, uh, they vary dramatically. Uh, even if we talk about per people, individual people, especially companies, uh, mm -hmm. what do you want to put in those, you know, 100 something characters of your brand description? You know, I think anything that drives the person to click on the link beneath it. So uh -huh. this is going to be an explicit statement of the pain point that you're um, that you're focused on. Um, yeah, I would say there. That's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> explicit statement of what the pain point is, and perhaps a little bit about how you solve that. Um, yeah. I think there are two strategies that existing people's had. One is uh, follow as many people as you can, try to get their attention and stream them into your real sales page. And there's the other path, which is more complex, is to build engagement and identity within the social platform. So this, this yeah, I come down hard on the second. Um, <laughs> you really, like, it's really important that instead of having a thousand people on your email list who, you know, are prospectively interested and want to go into your app and click around that you say have, you know, 400 people who are highly qualified potential customers. Um, the sort of scattershot approach of following, you know, thousands of people, um, or, you know, not, not focusing on building individual relationships, but focusing on ball, um, on, you know, just sheer volume, um, I think is is a mistake. I think it's I think it's far better to um, 
sorry, I think I got my arms crossed there. Uh, it's f- far better to focus on um, building quality over quantity. Um, I don't think there are any there are any shortcuts to this type of stuff. As I said, it it is a process of slowly building um, your ability to uh, be engaged. Um, and yeah, these sort of shortcuts that we often try to take kind of just postpone the sort of more difficult work, um, which is creating a voice, creating an audience that actually likes your stuff, creating an audience that is highly qualified to purchase your product. Um, anything that takes you away from that, I think is, is kind of a waste of time. It's, it's, I'm totally on board with that thought of yours, but if we talk about that, that means you need to interact with people inside the platform. So how do you go around responding to individuals, like courting them with your product? Should you be salesy? Of course not. But how then should you behave? I think, I think the best way is, you know, and I kind of outline this in, in some of my posts is like, you know, you could express gratitude. Um, you can offer a, you know, supplement to some, you know, argument that somebody's making in an article or something like that. Um, the best way to do it is to focus on people who are having a conversation already and to try to offer something to that conversation in a way that is not, you know, so obviously about serving your own self-interest. So you, you want to actively participate in the conversation as if you're a human being. People will, people will gravitate to your product over time, particularly if those, you know, those opinions are thoughtful and insightful and worth reading. <laughs> Too bad that the benefit of the doubt it is strongly or not on our side when we're acting from a corporate account. Um, mm. We are always suspected of being, uh, <laughs> you know, salesy and uh, just promotional. Well, I mean, that's all in your tone of voice. So, as I said, like if you if you do sound like a real human, then you probably will run that risk less. But if you sound like um, if you sound like you have your social media voice on. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you sound like you have your, you sound like you're just doing some, some marketing, then it's, yeah, I mean, not people are obviously going to be suspicious. There's a higher burden, um, on you to prove that you're not just, um, you know, prospecting because you're working from a brand account. Mm-hmm. So I imagine there is, if you're a founder or a co-founder or one of the few employees of a small company, it's not like you have 24 hours of sitting in front of your Twitter feed. <laughs> How is, uh, what is the best way for organizing your time around that? I mean, this is a funny thing. I, I One of my favorite social media success stories is a uh, large t-shirt company Um They've asked me not to use their name. Um, oh, I just prepared um, to, to, to <laughs> jot it down. <laughs> um, and they have, I mean, they have something like 30,000 30, followers, some massive number. Um, and they post something like, you know, 12, 14, 15 times a day. Um, and the f- CEO of the company, the guy that's in charge of, you know, marketing and partnerships and all this stuff, he still has social media notifications turned on on his phone. And the, the reason that he has it turned on on his phone is because he just enjoys it so much. Um, so from the beginning, it was it really was this social media account was really about kind of expressing the personality of him and his partner, and they figured out a way to make it so that they really loved being on there. Um, and I think that that's the sort of model. I think this kind of 
I mean, it simply requires a lot of time and energy. And I think that if you can't figure out a way to, to, to sink that time and energy into it in a way that, you know, is sustainable for you, that, you know, there, there might be actually be better channels for you to spend your time on. Um, I was waiting so, for that to come. So if you can't really do this well, you'll be fine without it, uh, better than just some kind of bot uh, option. I think so. I think so. I mean, there are certainly there's certainly other ways to do it. Um, yeah, you can certainly write. A, you can write a lot of content. You can cross post um, with other people. Um, you can pay for stuff. You can, you know, I don't know, do sort of more sort of stunts where you release, um, uh, you know, like little tools or things that make it. Um, easier for people to do a particular task that's close to the, the product you're selling. There are many ways to sell products that that don't explicitly involve, you know, using social media to reach out to people and form connections. Um, yeah. In terms of content and uh, media that you're posting, could you give us a brief walkthrough of what works best, you know, on Medium or on Facebook? Because we have, uh, and on Twitter, I'm sorry, uh, we have all these kind of things. Like, f for Facebook posts, I'm incredibly irritated that they don't even have, like, bold italics and stuff like that. <laughs> you can't even create a headline for your post, but people seem to be enjoying it. Um, just give us an introduction to Twitter and to Facebook as to most popular platforms. Well, I'm happy to do to do um, Twitter. I think Facebook, all kind of um, common knowledge has been turned on its head recently just because uh, it is now a pay-to-publish platform. Um, you know, so, you know, when you're crafting an ad, that's a little different than crafting something that's sort of more um, passive or, you know, soft that, that you would be doing on Twitter, say. Um, you know, with ads, you want to be, you know, very... Uh, targeted, you know, just talking about your customer pain and, and selling your product in a way that is very concise. Um, but with something like Twitter, you know, you the big thing with Twitter is that not a lot of people put on put unique content on there or think about you know what a unique piece of content on Twitter would look like. Um, so I think that typically is the best route to go. Obviously, transparency content is good for this kind of thing. Um, signal boosting of other people is a really good thing as long as you're um, uh, you're adding something to to that discussion and reaching out to the people who um, who posted it. Expressing gratitude is always really good. Gratitude has been shown to you know make people make people feel very positively and um, towards other people when they hear somebody expressing gratitude. Um, oh, there's all sorts of stuff. I I've written a post on this. Um, it's called Seven um, Seven uh, Tactics um, for the Very Best Best Branded Twitter Accounts, um, and in it I go through kind of kind of all of them and and lay out examples of of what that would look like. Um, so I would, I would encourage your listeners to go, to go and check that out. Yeah, I've read, I've read it and, uh, I, I love it because it has a ton of examples. Um, without going there, could you just briefly call out a few brands that you think are making great use of Twitter? Yeah. So if you're a software company, you want to check out Slack. Um, okay. <laughs> you'll, once again, yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, like they, they do a wonderful job. They, you know, they take their change logs for examples and they make sort of gifts out of them and it makes for really, you know, good, um, content on its own. Um, their, the, their tone of voice is really, um, bang on. So they are as transparent as they think they can be. Um, and it really comes through. 
Um, they have a sense of humor. There's a sense of levity to the posts. Um, yeah, I go check them out. Another one that I would s- suggest to go check out um, is a company called Cushion, and it's run by a guy named, um, I think it's Johnny Holiday. I think is his name. Um, he is a bootstrapped uh, founder, um, or at least he was until recently. Um, and he has been so transparent with every single little thing that he's done to the app on his Twitter accounts. It's really made it um, exciting to watch. Um, he even talks about you know a lot of the the, the reasons for the decisions that he's made, um, and then sort of like crowdsources feedback and stuff like this. And it's you know he's just hyper engaged. He's an example of like a uh, a SaaS founder that is really being driven by the community that he's created around himself. So I would highly recommend checking him out. Um, I could go on. Uh, there is like obviously Wendy's is uh, is a, a fan favorite. Um, they kind of don't uh, pull any punches. You know, they're they're pretty quick to point out absurdities here, and they you know they often troll competitors like McDonald's, <laughs> and uh, there's something about it that is really playful and. Um, you know, and that's it, it's nice to see, you know, whatever prank that they've come up with next when it turns up in your in your Twitter feed. And there's certainly some um, there's some strategies there that can be ported to SaaS. That sounds great. Um, authenticity. We kind of covered that uh, when we are talking, like that benefit of the doubt when you're coming from a car- corporate account. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I am I hitting it right? Uh, so it's a, it's a way of of being yourself on social media and uh, being perceived as such. Is that, am I getting it yeah, right? That's, <laughs> you're totally, you're totally getting, getting it right. But the other thing, the, the other thing about authenticity and like, there's a lot of gurus who would encourage people to go in search of authenticity and stuff like this. And, you know, it usually takes the form of, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it can take many forms in the, in the post that I wrote on this, I used you know, an image of, I think it's easy rider and there's, there's th- two motorcycle guys just kind of, um, headed across the country looking, you know, like they're living their most authentic lives and stuff like this. Um, yeah. And like, there's a sense in which, um, how do I say this? Authenticity is excellence in marketing. Authenticity is making sure that you are completely consistent in all the messaging that comes out of your account and that you don't break um, with that consistency for the sake of short-term gain or um, for the sake of misleading your audience. So, you know, have have a concrete understanding of what people think of your brand um, and, and then deliver on that. Meet their expectations. You are inauthentic when you are when you are outside of the expectations of your audience. Um, so realize that whenever you post stuff, you have a responsibility to be, um, you know, truthful to those expectations. Um, yeah. Does that, does that help a little bit? Interesting. That's uh, so that's, uh, you could even call it style or something, but and consistent style, but much more than that. Also a few other, you know, aspects uh, be it great copy ways of interacting ways of of, um, the media that you post and everything everything (laughs) i mean how like how you are perceived now limits like how you will be how you can portray yourself in the future Mm -hmm. um and understanding of these limitations um is the like kind of the first step towards authenticity Mm -hmm. and kind of after that it's a matter of just being really strict in your messaging about like staying true to that image and its history, um, 
and not kind of allowing your goals commercial or otherwise to get in the way of that. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, authenticity is best experience through it's kind of the stuff we've talked about already, which is, you know, transparency, content, humor, um, value based messaging, which, which is kind of more talking about, you know, what you appreciate and, and, uh, and kind of taking more soft political stances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To wrap up today's episode, uh, I would love you to give our listeners a brief roadmap what they should be thinking about when they're kicking off their social media account. Kind of uh, a list of small steps that they can take and to define their brand so that they can achieve that desired authenticity and all these goals. So when you're setting up your account, you want to make sure that you're humanizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure that your, you know, your avatar and stuff like that speaks to you, who you are as a human being and as a founder. And I know this might sound, um, you know, there's something about that, that that's risky. You know, it might not sound fun to you to be the, 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 the head of your brand. Um, but it is an effective way of, of selling your product. Um, so make sure that in all the things that you're doing, that you are expressing some personality. The next is that this whole process is one of discovering what is sustainable for you and what is not sustainable for you and whether social media is actually a viable channel for your business. Um, so be open to experimenting. Um, try, try producing the types of content that you see and appreciate in others. Um, and you know, think hard about who those people are and what it is that they're doing. Um, the next is, you know, don't, don't undervalue, um, the process that you're going through. You know, people are curious about the pricing that you're setting for your product. People are curious about how you're funding your product. People are curious about how you are handling the stress of being a, um, founder. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is good. This is good material for your Twitter account. So start to dig into that and, and, um, show a bit of yourself through it. Um, the next is to, yeah, find other people in your network who are doing something similar and work to strengthen them, um, and work to, um, you know, boost their signal. You might not even, you might not have a big audience. They might have a big audience, but if you begin to work together, you can begin to build something. Um, I think those are the sort of key principles that I would lay out. Yeah, I think we kind of underestimated during our conversation that the brand doesn't exist in isolation. They are always your friends, real people who will help with that initial amplification. Exactly. And, you know, like friends become customers and customers become friends. Um, And, you know, at the early stages of something, it really is about that sort of one-to-one approach. And you can get pretty far with that one-to-one approach before we have to begin to scale up. Yeah, these are amazing insights. Thank you so much, Liam, for finding time to share them with us today. These were great. Thanks for giving <laughs> Thanks for giving me a platform. I appreciate it. <laughs> Where can people find you and your work online? Uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Liam Sarsfield. Um, my uh, co-founder's Twitter handle, and you know, he's he's an unending source of excellent um, development <laughs> content and, and bootstrap content, um, is Matthew Pierce. Um, and you can find both of us in our Twitter handles um, at Extra AI, which is our company Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Any websites? <laughs> you can check out uh, Extra at Extra AI. Okay. Extra.ai. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today once again, and have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. 
they're offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. Just go to freshbooks.com slash uibreakfast and enter uibreakfast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It will help other people discover this podcast.